Welcome to Opiso, a resource from Solano Community Church. My name is Rebecca Jones, and I'll be your host today. Opiso means follow in the language of Jesus' day. And the Opiso podcast is a space where we, as the Solano Church community, can explore what it means today to find and follow Jesus. So wherever you are on that journey, we're happy that you're with us. This is the sixth episode of Opiso, which is um, really awesome because we're here with Jamie and Paul Nunez. Uh, Paul is the new pastor, associate pastor at Solano, which is such a blessing to this community. I, I'm constantly hearing like just different interactions that you guys have had with other people in our congregation. It's already been a blessing to just get to know you guys a little bit. Um, I'm grateful to be able to have heard a little bit of your guys' story. Um, and I just think that this is a really amazing space for us to be able to kind of um, press into knowing you guys. And as you guys are coming into our church community, like obviously we want to love you guys as much as we can. So the best way to do that is to, to actually get to know you guys. Um, I'm just going to uh, read this verse uh, coming out of Romans 12. Um, verse 4 says, um, For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Um, and I think that that's such an amazing verse, thinking about the importance of community, um, and the fact that, you know, in so many ways, each one of us is just gifted in different ways to be able to serve the body of Christ. And knowing each other's gifts is actually one of the ways that we can function more efficiently as a yeah. body, yeah. right? So um, this is really, really awesome. Um, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Um, so I really want to hear more about you guys. Um, if we can get into maybe a little bit of your origin stories um, and just kind of how you guys came to Solano, that'd be really awesome. But before we do that, um, I just want a random speed round of questions. So uh, first one is, what excites you the most about living in the East Bay? Man, the first thing that pops in my head was great food. Is <laughs> that shallow? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> um, I like being on the water. I think, I think you know, driving down the streets and then seeing the bay and seeing the city and all the kinds of people, it just feels like there's a great energy in the Bay Area. And especially, I like this part of the Bay. Mm. We've lived a couple of different places, and I think this is one of my favorites. I've already had the best pizza I've ever had. Oh, Back wow. to food. The best. <laughs> Tikka masala I've ever had, what? and I think the best chorizo scramble, yeah, has already, and one of the best breakfast sandwiches at a coffee wow. shop like I, I've ever had. I can here. just hear all the SoCal people already, like just I don't, yeah, yeah, like I don't know any better. Um, one thing I'll say is I do I do enjoy the academic environment that comes out of mm-hmm. Cal and a lot of the the graduate degrees and PhDs. Um, I just enjoy interacting with people on that level. I don't know why, um, but, you know, I was like, when we were looking for associate pastor roles, my thought was New England or the West Coast. And New England also academic environment. So that kind of excites me to work with and interact with people um, who come from that background. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, this is kind of going along the lines of the theme that you keep bringing up, but what is your comfort food? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comfort food's a little different question. <laughs> you you like soup. You're like yeah, very comforted by a good bowl. Of I think so. Pho. I think yeah, pho would be maybe top comfort food. I feel like sushi. Sushi's not really a comfort. That's food. not a comfort food. That's a. I want to. We've gotten it a few times to make us feel better about ourselves, haven't we? No, it's just celebratory. I feel like every time we have a baby, I'm like, let's get. Sushi. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's more it's selfish. It's Mother's Day. Sushi. It's, you know. <laughs> it's not like we're sad. Sushi. We're no, 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 we're happy. Doesn't... Sushi. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I don't know. I like, I like, um, I like the traditional comfort foods, you know, meat, potatoes, lasagna, the things that <laughs> make you a little bit more bloop bloopier. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, okay, last question. Would you be friends with your high school self? Heck yeah. You know, I... That was a hard question. I, the only thing I'll say is that I'm still the same way in terms of I love playing games. Mm-hmm. I was whether sports or board game, anything competitive, or I was always down. Like I'm in, mm-hmm. and so I probably would enjoy my high school self. Like always down for some kind of way to have fun and play games. Yeah, I think I I think I'd like to be with my high school self. 
I wasn't super popular, but I, I think people liked being my friend. I felt like I got that from people. Hmm. I was always down to go hang out, so I'm still down to go hang out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, um, I want to get a little bit uh, into the journey that led you guys to Solano. Um, so I know you guys have spoken a lot about this, like, you know, really massive undertaking of being in an RV for a year and traveling across the country. Um, but before doing that, like, what led you guys to take your family on that journey? So I, I was I was pastoring at a church during the pandemic, and it started to kind of suddenly not work out. Like all like all of a sudden, I realized I was probably going to need to resign and move on from that role. And so I remember I had a few thoughts on that that were pretty strong. And one of them was I didn't like the idea of just applying to another job as a pastor, like in a hurry, especially. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to go to school full time. And I, I felt I was like, man, I'd love to knock out a good chunk of my seminary instead of it taking another three years. Like I could get it done in like a year. And so... I, I felt this kind of, I don't, this doesn't happen often, but I felt this distinct calling from the Lord to just trust him and not jump into pastoral ministry right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that, that when I did, it was because there was an open door with someone that I already knew. It was a trusted source. He was going to make the connections for me. And I wasn't just going to f- apply to job openings. I didn't want to do that. So um, I, I just, I was like, yeah, I think, I think the Lord's calling me to not apply to jobs right now, which kind of raised the question, well, how are we going to make this work uh, if I'm not working? Yeah. And we had some savings, but, you know, uh, we, we did, we want to dump that into rent and just wait, it, wait it out for a year, see what's left over. And that's when Jamie came to me with this kind of crazy idea of what if we bought an RV and had this adventure. So I'll let you tell her how she came up with that idea. But I immediately gravitated towards that idea. It was exciting. It sounded challenging. Um, it, it, you know, as a pastor, I don't know, I, sometimes I, I want different life experiences to help me understand life more. I think it helps me as a pastor. So that intrigued me too. Like I'm going to have a completely different life experience, which I think can only help me. So that as people that intrigued me, you know, and so um, all that just it just kind of sounded exciting. Um, yeah, it was scary. The idea of like, wait, we can't afford to live in the Bay Area if we don't have a real income. Um, I work, but I don't I don't make that much, you know. And so um, I honestly don't remember how the idea came to my mind. I don't remember like really how that happened. I'll, I'll chalk it up to the Holy Spirit. But um, I just was like, you know, maybe maybe there are other people that do this. And I looked on YouTube and there was a family with nine kids who lived in a fifth wheel. I didn't, we had never, I'd never spent the night in a fifth wheel. Like I'd never, or an RV. And so I just started doing research and I thought this is really, really kind of a big crazy idea. And then I, I was like, I floated it to Paul expecting him to be like, uh-uh. I'm like, we're not doing that. But then he was really excited. And then it just was all <laughs> downhill from there. It went really fast from the time that we had that conversation. I think it was six weeks later that we actually had our RV. I think it was a really fast process at that point. Um, we drove to Louisiana to get it, drove it back in 10 days, we painted it and moved out of our condo and into the RV and drove away 10 days later wow. in the middle of those fires where the sky was orange. What? It was a really, really crazy 10 days. I think the other thing that attracted us to doing this was the seeing the country. Yes. And I think even again, like mm-hmm. for me as a pastor, just knowing more about our country and kind of being there and seeing it. And I think we were drawn to especially to see some of the South, um, you know, coming off the heels of the Black Lives Matter movement um, and just five years of diving into the history of racism and stuff. It was like we had a chance to go and spend some time in different parts of the country. Um, and then just, you know, I'd never seen the capital. I'd never been in New England. Um, so did you guys go to every state? 
We went to 31 states wow. when all was said and done. We had never been to New York. Well, I had. You had. Uh, yeah. So this was a lot about my <laughs> yeah. education. I've been to a lot of these places, actually. Yeah. I had been to, like, California, <laughs> Arizona, <laughs> Oregon, you know. So yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty local boy. So I felt the need to get out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I think too. We there's people that are always moving to the Bay Area from Virginia, from Texas, from all these other places, and I think it it we were excited to go see where all these people were really coming from. So yeah, that's really awesome to hear all. I'm excited to hear all the ways that like the Lord kind of like equipped you guys to be able to step into this like new season um, through that journey. Um, so when you guys actually sat down and started like looking for jobs for you, Paul, um, what were you guys looking for in a new church home? I know you shared a little bit about this, Jamie, and the women's brunch, but for anyone who like wasn't there, what, what were you looking for? I, th- I think we wanted to find a, a place that resonated with the things we cared about, and we didn't want to totally be swimming upstream with our values on being um, theologically strong and, you know, centered on the gospel and Jesus and the Bible and those things. But that also um, just hadn't ignored what had gone on in our country the last couple of years. We were looking at churches, like we would look at their, um, the sermon that had happened. What What did they say after George Floyd was murdered? What did they say after... Uh, January 6th did they say anything like did they did they do anything to um, you know be careful with with COVID or you know what was their attitude toward COVID Um, so we didn't really want to have to fight too much of those issues Um, and a staff team like another pastor that we felt was just full of character and that we could trust yeah I mean I think to sum it up like we're looking. We were looking for a church that was theologically conservative, so Bible believing, but maybe culturally liberal. Mm-hmm. So not like legalistic about um, some of the ways they express their faith. But then the third piece was socially conscious. Mm-hmm. Is like not just head in the sand. We're not talking about this. This is controversial, but willing to wade into the hard issues. Yeah. So that was kind of what the, the unicorn we were looking for. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, a, a, a staff culture and the pastors who, who we thought was creating a culture of teamwork that we could fit into. Mm-hmm. So not just those three values, but then, but then a, a culture that we were like, yes, we can trust this. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of what we were looking for. Yeah, people chemistry. Oh, that's really awesome. Um, what has been the most interesting thing about the Solano community thus far? Interesting? You're just like most distinct, you know, what, what caught you off guard? Um, like in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I was like... <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> no. Um, I... I uh, maybe it's because, you know, we had been here a while ago, too. I feel really um, welcomed and at home. I really enjoy everybody. A lot of people have invited us to hang out with them and come over. They've come over. People, oh, this was it. This was it. I, I just remember um, people just dropping in. Mm-hmm. I can remember one Saturday morning, I literally was still in my pajamas. That's like Saturday morning at nine o'clock, like really resting it up. And Jason Lau and Lauren Kressinger just dropped in. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm in my pajamas. But they had they had croissants and they just walked in. We had coffee and I loved that. And I think that it was really nice to be in a place where that's very normal. Mm-hmm. People just dropping in, people just hanging out. Um yeah, I've never been in a place like that as an adult where people just do that. Yeah. That's fun. So. Yeah, that's, I, I, I think that's been fun. The welcoming has been strong, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure that's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Well, Maybe I'm being too technical with this question. Like, what surprised me? Um, 
I mean, I think a pleasant surprise has been, despite the high levels of education and talent and giftedness at this church, I think there's this down-to-earthness mm-hmm. about the church. Like, people like to just be normal people. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell that there were some of the brightest people in the country, most educated here in this church. Just, just because of, like, it just feels like we're just trying to live life together and even someone told me like yeah when you preach don't feel like you got to use like super smart analogies just we're tired we've been in the classroom too long <laughs> like okay. just keep it simple for us and keep it in the bible so i like that you know so i i i feel i don't feel intimidated mm. by the community because i think the way they've postured themselves has been one where i feel like they're accepting and just like you said set this up we want to get to know you we want to love you so that's been the lead foot i have felt we want to get to know you want to love you not we want to see how smart you are yeah and are you really do you really have the chops to be here yeah people wanted to love us first i mean i put that my own pressure (laughs) uh, (laughs) but i don't feel that from the church and that's been a blessing so (laughs) that's awesome yeah, um, just being kind of like new to the church as well, I feel like the one thing that really stood out to me was most of the churches that I, uh, you know, grew up around in New York, like it's, people aren't very, um, like we will talk about the Lord and stuff, but I think in terms of being integrated in each other's lives, mm-hmm. it's just not as like normalized. Mm-hmm. And like, I think I've seen members of the body really strive to be the hands and feet of the Lord when we're talking about like, I don't know, my car broke down randomly and I've got like these like older like men in the church just fixing my car and they're asking me questions. Like, I don't know. Like, but they were there. Yes. Um, I think that's been like, or just people dropping off food and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that's like such a distinctive, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, we should all strive to do that, but I think Solano has really been really awesome in doing that. Um, Mm. Okay. So I'm going to ask you guys some questions about your personal faith stories so we can make sure you guys are legit. Um, (laughs) Now it's time to prove our jobs. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, if you guys can just share a little bit about your uh, individual, like, coming to faith stories, you know? Well, I grew up in the church. My parents were both Christians. Um, My dad's family uh, had a long line of Christian faith in it. Mm. Um... (laughs) It depends on who you talk to, how long that line really goes. It's kind of funny. But um, I was in a Christian preschool, and around Easter time, I remember the teacher, Miss Sandy, I think, was, like, explaining the Easter story simply with your children and about how... Uh, we all sin and and we all we all do things and we mess up. But Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and he wants to be your friend if you will um, invite him into your heart. And I was like, yes, absolutely. And I just raised my hand. I was like, yes, that's a, absolutely what I want to do. Of course, it just seems so obvious. And I remember praying at recess and. And even, like, I think I had a very simple faith that my heart and my life was different. And I remember she said, there are angels in heaven singing hallelujah <laughs> because you are a child of God. And I was like, yes, there are. Like, that's just, <laughs> of course. And um, I think at that point, I would say, yes, I was fully a believer. My life was different if it could have been at four. But I think it was. And um, I grew up going to Hume Lake and being involved in a youth group and getting so much good mentoring and so much, so many people pouring into me, which was helpful because my parents divorced when I was about six and they stayed at the same church, which was kind of beautiful looking back on it. So I had that home church as one church mm-hmm. experience and it was a really strong experience. Um, so that's how, that was like the origin story. I feel like a Marvel character. <laughs> <laughs> that's my origin story. That's the beginning. Wow. Um, Can you just speak to uh, maybe, I think a lot of us are, you know, seeking mentorship and people who will disciple us. Like, can, mm-hmm. are there any people that kind of like stand out as like really critical to your early uh, growth as a believer? Yeah, I feel like there was always a woman or uh, just an older adult who would kind of take me under their wing. Even starting in sixth grade, I remember um, there was a woman named Christina. She was just a college student, and she was really cool and just kind of fun. Uh, but there was no, I'm looking back, I, 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 not to say this in a bad way, there was nothing, like, 
super special about her. She was just like a fun, normal college student. And she had a group of sixth grade girls to her house. And we were so excited to be there because she was older and cool. And I remember we would talk about the Bible a little bit. We'd hang out, we'd be silly. And I remember she gave us little prayer journals. And that was the first time that I ever really would, I started to intentionally set time aside to pray on my own and I remember you know dear god blah 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 and it was like half diary half like <laughs> prayer and um that's been a lifelong habit ever since then mm. that's been very very mm. meaningful to me and that's is how I pray even to this day and that started because she mm. introduced that concept to me and she was somebody that I knew cared about me mm. um and so that for that whole year uh, she was like a good, solid adult figure in my life. And there was always someone like that. Mm. Um, the Humlite counselor. And then we'd have this fun relationship after when we went home. And um, in high school, I remember there's a woman named Dixie who worked at Disney. And she was volunteering. And I remember she would just take me out to dinner every so often, listen to me, um, and encourage me. And just be somebody that when I showed up to church, I knew her and I knew that she cared about me. Mm. And she was like a normal, fun person um and that made a huge difference huge difference in my life yeah i mean it's cool it's interesting to compare our stories because i grew up in a stable home like Mm -hmm. married parents good relationship with them she grew up her parents were divorced um they were engaged in my life quite a bit but they you know yeah they were divorced your mom was a single mom yeah she had yeah and yet you know by the time we met in college, Jamie, I would argue, was better adjusted mm-hmm. and had this kind of maturity and confidence that I think, as we've talked it out, came from the fact that, I mean, credit to your parents for getting keeping yeah. you plugged into church. They were consistent mm-hmm. in your lives. But actually, she, you were so invested in by your church family, mm-hmm. like just the way that spoke and like... Mm-hmm confidence into her and love and who she was she even though she came from a quote-unquote broken home the church family was really solid mm-hmm. um complimented what my parents were were hoping to do yeah and um you know wednesday night youth group sunday morning there's there's just people that you know like you when you come home from school and your parents are happy to see you like i felt like that was the case at church yeah yeah, I mean, you want me to should I share my story? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, how to share. I've shared it already. I'm trying to think like how to add some some details to it. But I grew up um, going to church, Catholic church, and so I would have said growing up, I believed in Jesus. I played Jesus in a play one time. Um, I even, but it was funny because when I was supposed to be dead in the tomb because I'm fidgety, my foot was moving around, so my parents thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think that I was resistant to really die, like really embracing my faith. And the reason why was because I think the reason is because growing up Catholic, the two people who you see as really being strong in their faith are women and celibate men, mm-hmm. priests. And I was like, that's not me. And so I had this like it created this barrier, I think. So by the time I went to college, I, I wasn't interested in, in, in anything like a Bible study. I remember I got a survey that asked, do you want to talk to someone about your relationship with God? And that felt really weird. Like that language was weird to me. Who studies the Bible? That's weird to me. And so, but I think that the the person who uh, gave me that survey was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. Mm-hmm. And so... <clears throat> he got my contact card, could tell I was not really a true believer in terms of, you know, I, I hadn't necessarily been born again. You could tell that from my survey. And when we met, you know, he, he just started to explain the gospel to me and walk me through the four spiritual laws. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it's just basically God loves you, has a plan for your life, but you're sinful and those are, weren't new to me, but then what was new was the fact that God wanted to have a personal relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw it on a survey, that was weird to me. But when I saw him explain it through scripture, that eternal life meant not just going to heaven, but knowing God. And I was like, oh. And I think just the spirit was working in that those simple verses, that simple conversation. And then Jesus' death for my sin, his resurrection, kind of proving who he was. And then it was just kind of, you know, have you ever received him as your 
Lord and Savior into your life. And I, even though I'd grown up believing in Jesus, to, I think it was a no-brainer that I had never, like I just could tell I had never given my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And my whatever I believed. So so that was just, boom, I made that decision and it all it all clicked, you know. And I, I started to tell my friends, you know. I started telling my girlfriends and they, they didn't believe in it. And I'm like, how can you not believe? I must not have explained it right. And so I would tell them again. And so, yeah, that kind of started my journey of being a missionary. <laughs> uh, just, you know, when you grow up and you've, you've been around it, but you didn't get it, mm. it makes you want to help explain it to people so they get it. It's like we're all walking around like asleep to the beauty and glory of it. And I just, just, someone just needs to be like that missionary with beautiful feet with good news and just yeah. so I had to kind of unlearn my testimony and that not everyone comes to Christ like that <laughs> you know what I mean I've had to kind of grow in my ability to, to witness but um, that that was how I I, mm-hmm. I found Christ or he found me mm-hmm. more accurately that's mm-hmm. so beautiful I'm like getting chills that's <laughs> awesome uh, okay I want to hit two things but I don't know what comes first your call to pastoral ministry or are you guys like meeting and getting married did you feel like you got your call in college or was it after it was definitely after yeah okay well, your call to pastoral ministry yeah call to full-time ministry that came in college yeah but it, it intertwined with how we met and got together because i probably didn't feel called to staff for a while mm. it took me until i was like a senior yeah to really i, I fought about. that call pretty hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay well then let's let's talk about that like um what were your kind of individual calls into full-time ministry? Well, I think I was remembering even that sixth grade lady, Christina. And at Hume Lake, I remember filling out the, I want to be, you know, I was like, did you accept the Lord? Do you want to rededicate your decision? Like a little card, you know. Uh, do you want to become a Christian? Do you re- rededicate your relationship with the Lord? And then there was a third option of like, I want to be a world changer. And I clicked that. I was like, yes, I want to change the world. But um, I think that I was growing in just Christian faith in the Bible, junior high, high school. So when I got to college, I think being involved with crew kind of put the the missing pieces, like the what does that look like in real life? Mm-hmm. And how does my life intersect with being a, what, a world changer? It was kind of a weird phrase to me now. Um, it felt super normal in sixth grade. But I think that the idea I needed the next step of what what that means for me as an adult what that means for me with a career um, and my life how does my life intersect with the Great Commission how does my life intersect with things that are eternal Hmm. and um, I think so crew talks a lot about thinking of of what is eternal uh, God God's word and the souls of men and so I wanted to be about things that would have an eternal impact and everlasting significance and that was really powerful for me and then also the idea of having a ministry that would multiply itself after I was gone so that the women I worked with and invested in and and discipled that they would also go out and disciple other people who would disciple other people and I had this dream that God I'll start getting choked up about this I just really wanted to be a part of reaching that last people group even if it was like a hundred spiritual generations after me I was just like God you know once the gospel is heard and all the earth and all the people groups come to know you you'll come back you'll make all things new and um i was like oh please like let me be some little minuscule part of that and so um so i had that dream and desire and crew like gave a lot of training and a lot of equipping and a lot of discipleship and and support and encouragement and community to see those those good ideas realized Mm -hmm. and 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 actually take root in your actual real life um and so it was so funny i but i didn't want to join staff because that was like the expected move you know that was i was like oh i want to join staff i'm going to become i'm going to become all these big ideas i'm going to be a college professor i'm gonna (laughs) i i went into davis because i thought i wanted to be a doctor and i was like no i'm gonna do broadway i'm gonna be in a musical (laughs) theater like i was so all over the place and then i think my senior year i just realized i'm like you know what this is what I want to do. This is what I'm excited about. This is what I think I'm good at. And 
you know, I'm just going to end up joining staff. So I should just say that out loud instead of denying mm-hmm. that that's actually what I'm probably going to end up doing. And we were dating at the time. And I was like, you know, I'm probably just going to end up marrying Paul. <laughs> and I should just stop pretending like that's not going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to probably do that. And I started crying. I just had to, like, release the fact that I had committed to something. And um, and then I was That's really, a little bit of a theme in your life. Yeah. Crying when you realize you committed to something. I don't like finality. I don't like, like... After we got married, like, walked down the aisle, <laughs> she just, like, burst into, like, uncontrollable tears. I did. I was like, oh, happy. Woo. <laughs> no, I think it was like, wow, I, I'm... I If I keep standing here at this altar... I, if I stand here and I keep repeating these words, I will be married. It could seem so obvious, but I was like, no, it, this is the very last second you have to like turn around and walk away. Mm. So if you keep talking, that walking away is no longer an option. You'll be married. And I think just the weight of that decision, the, the weight of a decision being made is always very... Um, it hits me like a ton of bricks mm. and I'll sometimes just start crying. But after I cry, <laughs> I feel awesome. <laughs> I remember being so excited to become a missionary with crew. And I was so excited to get my new staff. Uh, they used to do three ring binders before things went digital. Like I was so excited about that. And I was so excited to for this part of my life to start. And, mm. and then I was like all in with Paul. Mm. Like, yeah. Let's do this. Let's mm. keep dating for a little bit and <laughs> let's get married. I'm, I'm for it. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> what did your uh, kind of call to pastoral ministry look like for you, for you, Paul? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it started definitely with crew. I alluded to being like, man, everyone's kind of asleep to this. I got to share this news. And so that was the first time I probably felt like a passion for something. And so I really enjoyed um, doing crew ministry, leading Bible studies, discipleship, leadership, strategy, mm-hmm. great commission. Um, so I, you know, I, and then I, so I joined staff because my, my discipler at the time kind of was like, Hey, I'd love to be a teammate with you. I'd mm-hmm. love for you to consider joining staff. So I, I ended up, uh, interning. And then that's when I told Jamie, we were dating. I said, Hey, I think I want to do this full time. Is that mm-hmm. something you would want to do? I basically, I basically was giving her an out. Like, if you don't want that life, like now's the time to, to jump off. And, but I was inviting her into, it. I wanted her to do it with her, but I also didn't want to just force her to come on this kind of life of like, surprise hey let's, let's raise our support and <laughs> and reach college students for our whole life you know wait and what year were you when this happened i was probably a senior yeah was i an intern yet no you were a senior because we weren't dating yeah what when i told you that we were dating <laughs> yeah we were dating when you were a senior okay so, so I was probably a senior, a senior so a junior. yeah so then anyways so basically though what happened was pretty early on like in 2007 ish I started to feel some angst about what was God calling me to. Mm. And when I was journaling about it, I think I was beginning without naming it. I was beginning to kind of dream about impacting God's kingdom through pastoral ministry. I was drawn to guys like Tim Keller and at the time, Mark Driscoll. Um, (laughs) And that's interesting. But the couple things they were teaching, which I resonated with, was, first of all, Driscoll was pretty hard on the church and kind of saying things like you're not really doing mission and discipleship you're just playing church and and I resonate with that and being with crew we're all about evangelism and discipleship so I started like yeah I'd like to see the church really can stay sharp on that but then Tim Keller came along and gave a vision for church planting and kind of the way churches can impact the world that resonated with me. But I think what really was really driving that was this, my prayers were often, like Jamie's prayer was, I want to reach the last person that reaches the last person that brings Jesus to come. My prayer life was like, Lord, I don't understand this passage. I want to understand and see the glory of your gospel in the word Mm -hmm. and then to share that. So I think 
I think my vision of impacting and using gifting was through preaching and leadership. Mm, yeah. And the context wasn't crew because crew isn't a, a, I wouldn't call it, it's more of a missions organization to reach people. And it's not necessarily like word, I don't want to say it's not word-based because it is word-based. They don't focus on how can we preach the word from... AM. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so they, they kind of have packaged ways to communicate so they can easily train others to then go do that. Yeah, so but it's I, transferable. I, I think I was more wanting to go back to the raw material of mm-hmm. God's word and the spirit and bringing that alive mm-hmm. to God's people. So I think that started to drive me towards pastoral ministry. So then fast forward, so that's 2007, fast forward to like 2016. I, I, re, I recircled back to that angst that prayer was coming back. Mm-hmm. And then I just had a pastor who just said, Paul, you know, I think it sounds like you want to be a pastor. You know, I was on staff with the crew. I was like, yeah, I think you're right. And so I studied the pastoral epistles and I went through like this prayer and journaling and talking to friends. And I had two pastors from my local church who I was part of one church and part of another church, both recruited me mm-hmm. to join pastoral ministry with them. So it was like, external confirmation that people were seeing this so then i made the call to jump in 2017 wow and so um Mm -hmm. and that's where i met andrew because i first was when i first was looking for churches i was introduced to him andrew hoffman andrew hoffman so we got to know each other but it didn't you know they hired a pastor doors was closed there for me went i went to to the church in livermore but then when i reconnected with andrew i was looking for a pastoral role and there was an opening mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. that was pretty cool because i was remember i had said i didn't want to just apply somewhere i wanted to wait and god was kind of saying hey i just trust me well because i waited the role opened up at solano mm-hmm. if so i had applied you- right away I would have gotten a job somewhere else. Mm. But because I waited, but when I talked to Andrew, it was like, he was like, well, you know, funny you should be calling us because we have an <laughs> yeah. opening. And so that was a little crazy mm-hmm. for both of us to realize what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I had already known Solano. Jamie and I had already respected Andrew, what yeah. Solano was doing. We cared about, so like we really were like, this is a place we would love to be way back four years before that. And, and um, so... Yeah, it was like a new, a known place, mm-hmm. a place that we... It had a good history with mm-hmm. crew. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot that lined up. Um, okay, I do also want to just get a brief telling of how you guys got together. Oh, yikes. <laughs> okay. I will do this briefly. <laughs> um, so, Paul was my ride to fall retreat my freshman year at Davis with crew. And that sounds like such an idyllic thing to say. He was a sophomore. I was a freshman. I didn't have a car. I remember being at Everson Hall. He held up fingers. I was like, ooh, he can drive. We connected. Um, (laughs) Two fingers. He had two spots in his car. And I just remember feeling a lot of friendship chemistry with Paul right away. And it helped that he was dating somebody else at the time. And so there was just that no pressure, like, oh, we could just hang out and be friends. So we had just had so much fun. And I remember being really drawn to him. And uh, and I, I remember at a winter conference a couple months later, um, you know, we were friends and all. But I remember there was this moment on the, the parking lot. And Paul, um, I was, no, I was, I asked this other guy, Nate, I was like, hey, Nate, I don't know how to throw a football. Like, can you help? I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and he was like, you know, who you, sh- you should really just ask Paul Nunez. <laughs> and I look over to my, my left, I think, and I swear the clouds parted, light shone <laughs> down, time slowed, music played in my mind. And he just like Joe Montana spiral through this ball across the parking <laughs> lot. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I like him. And the, the beginnings of this very intense crush just start like, start, like pining away for him. I liked him so much. It's a mystery quite why I liked him so much. Um, but I did. I just, and looking back, I'm like, I totally just fell really hard for Paul. Mm. Um, but that girl that he was dating off and on throughout our whole college, even into our marriage a bit, kind of cl- 
caused, he, not her, they both caused quite a bit of drama and honestly some heartache for me, um, heartbreak um, at times. And so uh, things got messy, things got dicey at times. We dated my freshman year for a few months. Paul broke up with me because he was like, I'm not emotionally available to be with you basically. Cause I, he didn't tell me this. He just said, I don't see a future with you. So I didn't really understand what's going on. Um, so we were broken up for a full year with zero hope of ever getting back together. Um, and that year was a little dramatic. We stayed in crew. So our poor mutual friends like had to deal with the ups and downs of us being dramatic. Um, and then we ended up being on the same leadership team um, my junior year, his senior year. And Paul just kind of was like, I think really ready to be like, I do like Jamie. She is special. She is awesome. I could take it from here at that point. <laughs> okay, thank you. Because, <laughs> yeah, because what happened in that meeting, so we were at this retreat as leaders, and I was... <clears throat> Actually, there were several awesome girls on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was such a cool group. But, you know, and I was like maybe kind of interested in a couple of them. But when Jamie was there, I was like, she was like this bright sun. And they were like little candles. You know what I mean? And not to say anything about they're great. But I just realized that the way I related to her was so special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was... And so my feelings changed and intensified and I was like wow you know I I really do like her she she's so actually at that point I was like I need to pursue her and then she actually turned me down because she's like your drama um I don't trust you and so I had to convince her and the way to convince Jamie the way to win Jamie is through her head you got to get to her head to get to her heart and so uh I was I just kind of Got her in a car one night. Cornered me in a car one night. And argued with her for an hour about why she should date me. And my main argument was, <laughs> do you know for a fact you could never see yourself marrying me? And if you say that, I'm out. Basically, get her to say, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> well, you got to give me a chance. <clears throat> and I was <clears throat> more confident because I was like, pretty early on, I was locked in. I was like she's the one Mm -hmm. and I never wavered from that like I never did even though there was some drama um Mm -hmm. but and by drama like just some dumb things I did nothing nothing crazy but just nothing crazy just a little dumb um and then uh yeah we were locked in and we were dating for two and a half two years two and a half years two and a half years engaged engaged for six six months months. so Mm -hmm. I wavered all over the place. I was just like a mess growing up with, you know, maybe divorced parents growing up in the 90s where strong women don't need men. I was just all over the place. But um, I think I finally, finally, I think the last time I ever wavered before we got married, I called his discipler and I was like, I don't know, Dave, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> this is so hard. And he's like, you know, Jamie, you and Paul are clearly just friends. You love each other. And Paul is the most humble guy I've ever worked with. Mm. And I was like, you know what? That'll just win the day every time. You like someone who also is humble and is willing to admit when he's wrong. He's growing in the right direction. I've seen him fail and then come back from it really strong. I'm like, yeah, Paul's who I want to be with. So I didn't look back after that. Mm. Wow. That's super beautiful. <laughs> Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, can you tell us more about like the Nunez clan? Who are the kids? Yeah. <laughs> we do. We have a clan, it feels like. So uh, Sam is 12. I remember being like eight months pregnant when we moved from Pomona to San Jose with him. So all our kids were born in uh, San Jose when we were at San Jose State. So Sam is 12. Um, he's like soccer and Minecraft and his tablet. He's excited about technology and he's a real sweet kid. Um, and then Tessa is 10. She is all kinds of girly style. Um, we call her our intellectual ninja. Psychological. Psychological ninja. Yeah. She like when she was little, she would never whine. 
for stuff, she would just look at you and bat her eyelashes and be like, oh, I'm so thirsty. If only someone would get me a glass of water, you know? <laughs> but she never whined. She would just kind of, like, get you to do stuff for her. And you'd be like, oh, okay. Um, and then Ben is seven and a half, and we call him our little puppy. He is just... Um, He's like all the energy. He was totally silent until he was like three, and then it just kicked off in a high gear. <laughs> he was—he's just a ton of words and a ton of of um, everything about a youngest child, I guess. <laughs> and he's—he's he's really fun. So the boys are playing. So- they're involved in soccer. Tessa is in ballet, and and we homeschool. That's kind of we, we've been homeschooling since uh, Sam was in kindergarten. Mm. So I never thought I'd be that family. I mean, shoot, we've raised chickens. <laughs> like we've we've done things I never ever thought we would ever do, or I would do. Um, so it's been cool. Yeah. What are you guys like most hopeful about with regards to like uh, raising your family in this community or in mm. the Bay Area? Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I would love to see our kids have a similar experience Jamie did in youth mm-hmm. growing up with a church family that kind of invests in them and cares about them and uh, helps them become who God has kind of called them to be. And that takes other voices mm-hmm. in their life. Um, you know, they have a lot of opportunities here to take different classes and meet different people and mm-hmm. But I think it's it's are people gonna uh, are they gonna be loved and cared for within the context of the church? Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be exciting to me. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd say too. And totally. In addition to that, I'd just say specifically here at Solano and in the Bay Area, I think the world is here. Like the world is kind of represented at their fingertips mm-hmm. almost, you know, that they could yeah. understand so many different points of view and mm. um, so many different cultures and, and, and people. And yeah. um, it was just, I think, amazing place for kids to be, have their hearts and minds formed. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, I want them to, grow up and feel confident in how God made them. Yeah. You know. Wow. Um, that's exciting. Hopefully, like, so, I mean, the last question would be, how can the church body be praying for, for and encouraging your family? And, like, I mean, aside from the very explicit prayer request there, like, the church kind yeah. of coming alongside you guys, um, is there anything that comes to mind? Prayer for our family. Um... Yeah, I mean, Sam is 12, Tessa's 10, and as I've been reading, like a crazy person lately, that the girls are kind of even a little, like, two years ahead of boys in their, like, adolescence journey. And so I feel like I have two very preteen kids at home, um, and I just know this is a really formative, impactful time for them emotionally, spiritually their relationships with us, their relationships with each other. Um, and sometimes it's intense mm. and I blow it. I, I'm i like, oh gosh, I wish I had handled that conversation differently. And so I think just prayer for us with wisdom and being just patiently a safe place for them while they might storm here and there. They might have these like crazy ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they're, yeah. One of them in particular is just emotionally, well, two of them really are just very emotionally, very intense. And, and they're all kind of like, I feel like not like us. And so it's bewildering to me sometimes. I'm like, whoa, what, what, where did that come from? Like, I just feel like I'm on this exciting, crazy, very important roller coaster. (laughs) It's so important. (laughs) Um, I think for me, like my my prayer request is that, you know, I'm new to the church, so I'm, like, a lot of energy, a lot of, like, I'm going to go for it. Um, and so just prayer that I I don't get ahead of myself on that. And especially especially with being, like, unavailable or preoccupied with my family. And that's this is kind of a constant prayer request, but I can struggle to be really present 
I'm, I'm really in my head a lot, so I can be... And my kids will even tease me now, which is kind of fun that they're old enough to know that daddy's quirky in that way, and mm-hmm. they make fun of me about it, so they don't take yeah. it personally. Yeah. But that's not to say there's not loss there. And, like, for example, I was in my room on my computer typing something, and Ben, on the bed, pulled up my pants and was, like, acting as me with my pants on being crazy and he Jamie, sang a whole song. He sang a whole like song a about I'm minutes. Daddy. I'm, I'm Mr. Paul. Yeah. I'm Mr. Paul. And he was like dancing. And I'm literally on Super the couch loud. on my computer writing an email. And so Jamie sends me, or Jamie puts on Instagram the story. And she's showing Ben, and I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Look what he's doing. That's so funny. And she pans over, and there I am. <laughs> I'm literally, in the, I had no idea <laughs> that was happening. It's stunning how Paul can No, I was in a meeting, and that was had to happen, and I was probably meeting so I was trying to be like okay I gotta get some stuff fired off I gotta get some emails out and so I was just super and that's a gift like I can really focus mm-hmm. like I can get in and focus and get stuff done in my head on the computer writing stuff out but then I'm like oblivious mm-hmm. to what's happening to me and, and and so I miss things with the kids and like that is an example I'm so thankful she caught it on <laughs> Instagram so I could laugh about Ben being zany and cute and mm-hmm. creative but I was like right there mm-hmm. and so that that's stuff like that I just I'm like don't this is a special time the kids I just don't want to miss it yeah you know mm-hmm. and I'm already prone to being forgetful and in the, my head and so just that I would value the things that are most important and maybe that email in that time isn't the most important <laughs> and so that's probably yeah that's real I think that that resonates with probably everybody yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the right balance of things that's awesome <laughs> Um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for like yeah, taking this time and sharing so much of your lives with us, and we're excited to continue to get to know you guys. Yeah. Um, can I pray for us real quick before mm-hmm. we end? Lord, thank you so much for um, who you are, God. We thank you so much for your faithfulness, and it's just amazing to hear all of the ways that you just brought the Nunezes together. Um, you brought them to Solano through this like long process, and we, we we're grateful that we get to see how you orchestrated this, Lord. Um, I just pray that you would um, touch the hearts of the people at Solano and this community to um, really be able to um, love um, deeply, God, to love Jamie and Paul and um, Tessa and Ben and Sam, Lord. Um, I just thank you for them coming to this community. Um, and I just pray that um, they would really feel your love through this community um, and that we, you would strengthen us to be um, stronger and a greater witness um, to you and just your goodness and your love in the Bay Area, Lord. Um, we love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. And you're going to be Amen. Amen.